0: I wonder what comes to mind when you hear the word holiness. Um, I know for a lot of people, holiness is behavior. Do's and don'ts. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. My first experience with church and in following Jesus was not a good one. And maybe you can relate. This was when I was still in high school and went to a little church where their holiness to them was all about do's and don'ts. And it was to the point one time I heard at a Bible study that if you were driving in a car and you got, knew you were about to get T-boned and you said a cuss word and you didn't have time to repent and you died, you were going to go to hell. Really a way to lift up a teenage boy's faith right there, you know? (laughs) And is holiness behavior and and obedience? You bet. But behavior and obedience follow from really understanding what real holiness is. And as I became a follower of Jesus wholeheartedly when I was 25, um, I started realizing that holiness is... Better termed, wholeness. Becoming the whole person that God designed you and I to be. To live the life, the calling that He calls us to be. The word wholeness means to be not divided. To to have soundness in your life. Becoming who you were created to be. If you have struggles today, maybe habits or hurts or hang-ups, and I think what, what Paul the Apostle says in the chapter we're going to read and look at this morning, it's the key. It's the road to wholeness. Contrary to what most people believe, to be truly human, check this, is to not sin. Because don't we always say that when we blow it? Hey, I'm only human. And I'm learning as I read the Scriptures and trying to handle them better, that Jesus is the only person that truly Was human, and I don't mean flesh and blood. I mean in that he was unselfish, he was self giving, he was others centered, he was self denial. That's what God designed human beings how to truly live. I'm not there yet, and you're not either. We're becoming human. Jesus is the prototype of what it means to be human in inward realities translating to relationships and how we relate to God and to one another. Sin mars our humanity. It really does. Yet, and it mars the image of God as we were created in the image of God. We are all in a process of becoming like Jesus, right? Becoming like him. So, Um, We're in a series in the book of Romans, Paul's letter to to the church in Rome, and Paul never actually got to go and visit the church, but he did end up in Rome where he was put into prison and ultimately martyred because of what we're doing this morning, announcing the good news, the kingdom of God, King Jesus. Rome didn't want anything to do with that. So they they didn't want to have any competition, whether it was invisible or literal, to their empire. So they they killed the Apostle Paul. Paul, in chapter 4 of Romans, talks about justification by faith. And that life life with God, righteousness with God, being right with God has always been a matter of faith even predating the law of Moses. So it predates rules and do's and don'ts and now shouts. And then last week, we looked at what Jesus means for us and what Paul lays out in in Romans chapter 5, what he means for us as we walk with him by faith. It's important when you think of the word salvation to think of it in three tenses. There's a past tense that, hey, I was saved. I was saved. And then there's the present experience is I'm being saved. And then there's the future tense that one day I will be saved. Jesus, when He comes again and we get our resurrected bodies, there won't be any sin or sorrow or sickness or death. That's in the the future. And so kind of the theological words for that is I was saved is justification. Paul uses that word a lot in Romans. I'm being saved. And that's called sanctification, where we're learning to experientially live out who we now are in Jesus and because of Jesus. And then the, the future tense is what Paul calls glorification. One day we will be like Jesus when we see him. And as he resurrected from, from the dead in his glorified body, that's what our resurrected bodies are going to be like. Pretty cool stuff. <laughs> Read what Jesus did after his resurrection. So what I've been struggling with this and asking for a lot of prayer because Romans 6 is it's very mystical and it's it's talking about our position in Christ and how do I experience that in my daily life, right? So as Paul goes through Romans 4 and 5, he could foresee the question of this is too good to be true. You know, what are you saying? That there's enough grace that I just can keep going sinning and grace will abound. He saw that coming. And in verse one and two of chapter six, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase far from it? How shall we who died to sin still live in it? I heard Chuck Swindoll one time say he said you can know that you've either heard the gospel in its purest form or you've preached the gospel in its purest form if somebody comes to you and says hey are you saying because of grace that I can continue whatever in sin and Paul's saying no but that's you get so close because you you realize how much grace we have because of Jesus and learning how to live that out is what Romans 6 is really about Paul, this this chapter, if we understand it and apply it, gets us off the hamster wheel of sin management. So many people live in the gospel of sin management. It's all about behavior and do's and don'ts rather than those being the byproduct of my union with Jesus, with my union with the Father through the Holy Spirit and through his, His Son. And so my encouragement for all of us at all times is take Jesus very serious. Stop taking ourselves so serious and take him serious. Take his words serious. Take his promises serious. And it's a game changer for your life. So I'm, I'm calling this message The Road to Wholeness. And Paul lays it out. How do we get to this whole being, spirit, soul, and body that that lines up with how we were designed and created and what Jesus came to do and transform us. We talked about it last week that Jesus came into the belly of the fall of mankind in the incarnation. And He turned what was inside out, right side, right side out now because of what He did in His life, death, and resurrection. So the first step in the road to wholeness is I need to know my union with Jesus. I need to know my union with Christ. We are united to Him by faith, but also by His promise. We are in union. Marriage is probably one of the best illustrations of union when two people come together and make their vows before God It's spirit soul and body there's a a union that oneness that you go all the way back to adam and eve and the two shall become one he says this or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into christ jesus have been baptized into his death therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that just as christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. That was what water baptism just demonstrated, right? We died with Him, we were buried with Him, and were raised to new life with Him. It's a perfect illustration of what Paul is saying is true of us that we have a union with Christ. But it's mystical. Was I really there when Jesus died? Were you really there? Were you really buried with Him? Did you rise with Him? The answer is yes. And we have to always go, if God says it's true, it's true. And then we have to learn to adjust feelings and all of that to what He says is true. And I heard this Somebody say this one time, I thought it was brilliant. Trying to understand this mystical union with Christ. The person asked the question, they said, I'm going to let you respond. How many were crucified next to Jesus when he was on the cross? Two, right? One on his right, one on his left. How do you know that? Were you there? How do you know it? Scripture says so. Well, guess what? Scripture also says we are in union with Christ. Whether I feel it or not is irrelevant. By faith we receive what is already true of us and what Jesus has spoken over us. Our union isn't about feelings, right? Our union is believing in what He says. Okay. Second thing is this: to walk the road to wholeness, I need to believe my position in Christ. My, I need to know my union. I need to believe in what what God has done when he put me in Christ, when he put us in Christ. These are positional truths that we have to learn to live out experientially. That's the that's the, the, the crux of the walk we have with Jesus, is he's promised us who we are, and now we learn to walk that out. Paul continues, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For the one who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all time. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. All that is Christ's, he has shared with you and I. Everything that's true about Jesus other than divinity, all that's his, we've been placed in Christ. And he says, I want to share it with you, my family. That's good news. And I'm not going to ask you to say yes or no, but are you living in that? And I'm pointing right back to me. Am I living in this beautiful truth about who we are in Christ? All that is his, he says, I'm sharing with you, experiencing our position in Christ. This should make us, like when you think of, of, we talk about mental and emotional health. It's right there in my union and position in Christ it takes all of that and straightens our minds and our emotions as we line up with who God says we are. I think experientially he says, know that your old self was crucified. The Apostle Paul in his letters to the Colossians and Ephesians talks a lot about taking off the old and putting on the new as almost a daily experience of understanding and believing my position in Christ. I experienced this not too long ago. Um, As many of you know, I, I like to walk a lot. That's my best mode of exercise. And The other day I was uh, getting ready to walk and I thought the shirt next to my clothes hamper was clean because I'd done laundry. And I I went and grabbed it and I began to put it on and I almost threw up because it was the shirt from three days ago that I sweated my brains out in. And I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. And I thought, take off the old Put on the nice clean one that went through the wash in the dryer with the dryer sheet and it smells good. That's what we are to do on a daily basis. Take off that old with its propensity to sin and selfishness and, and disobedience and daily put, put on the new self of who you are in Christ. So we need to know something. We need to believe something. And now I need to consider myself dead to sin this is hard it's hard because i'm very aware of my my manure in my life right i'm i'm aware of that i'm aware of of my own propensity to sin but he says this so you too consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to god in christ jesus the word consider there many of your translations might use the word reckon or count it's an accounting term in the greek it's where you move some numbers from this ledger and you put them in this ledger and he's saying consider consider yourself dead to sin move it over move by faith move over this identity that just you know, I'm just a sinner to, no, I'm alive in God through Christ. That's work. It's a faith thing that we have to be reminded of daily, daily. We have a new identity because of Jesus. Sin gave us a false identity in, in how God sees us. Sin gives us this, this, this fake ID, so to speak, and when you find your identity in anything other than Jesus, you're probably going to struggle. When we find it in people or career or whatever, and that's a big struggle for so many of us. I remember years ago, um, my daughter, Chandler, and my son, Damien, and I, they were little. And they, I took them on a journey to Boulder because I, I wanted to buy something at, uh, I don't know, one of the health food stores or something that had what I was looking for. And as we were coming back this way on Highway 36, it had snowed really bad, and um, so we're driving. I always drive like a grandma, but I, I really drive like a grandma in the snow. And I'm driving, and all of a sudden, I get pulled over and see the lights. Uh oh! I know I'm not speeding, and they pulled me over. And they, the the police were all serious with me, and they went back and brushed off my license plate had been covered with snow, and they brushed it off, and they said, oh, you, you aren't the guy. Uh, we had a false identification. I was like, good, I was, what guy am I, you know, who did you think I was? But I guess somebody had been driving a green truck exactly like mine, same make and model, and they had robbed a place or something and that was the getaway vehicle and they were making sure me and my little kids (laughs) they were in the back just like what is going dad's getting arrested here false identification that's what sin does to us we need to learn to live who we now are in christ we don't have to say well this is just the way i am I've always had this struggle, this habit, whatever, and say, no, I'm now dead to sin and alive to God and Christ. Many, many people are hearing voices to want to be your identity. And I would tell you, listen to the voice of Jesus. Listen to Him. Find your worth and identity in Him and what He says about you. Then lastly, Paul makes this very... These positional mystical truths, and he says here 's what you can do about it. how to live it out. I need to present my whole life as worship to God. I need to know my union with Christ, I need to believe my position in Christ. I need to consider myself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ, and then now I is something how we participate with God in this is we consider we present our whole lives as worship he says therefore sin is not to reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts and do not go on presenting the parts of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your body's parts as instruments of righteousness for God for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Our participation in these truths is learning to fight sin. There's there's two kinds of sin. There's the sins of the flesh and our appetites and all of that. the, The body flesh wants to have its way. And we are learning to say no to that and say yes to something better in Jesus. And the sins of the flesh are obvious. The sins of the heart, though, the attitudes, pride, arrogance, bad attitudes, unforgiveness, we don't always, you can't see that. That's under the surface. And learning to present ourselves whole selves as an act of worship to god is both outwardly and inwardly and i think for for us that's probably even the bigger bigger struggle but learning to take all of life from your work to your relationships to your hobbies everything lord it's an act of worship and how that happens is daily I, we have to say, Lord, center my will to your will. Align your, my will to your will on a daily basis. That's how we learn to say no to sin and things that are destructive in our life. And that's how we learn to weed out pride and inward junk that tries to take root in our lives. We're going to move into communion And as we take the elements, there's a table here and a table back here. As you grab the juice and the bread, and thank you to Miss Sheila for always making the bread for us. I know it's a great joy for her. Um, You are agreeing with Jesus in that in His life, death, and resurrection, you were placed into that, and it's yours now. And every time we remember what Jesus did for us as He instituted the Lord's Supper to His disciples, we're recalling, we're remembering, we're reminding ourselves. Because we forget pretty easy. We forget who we are in Jesus. And communion is a great reminder of that, that that Jesus' body was broken, His blood was poured out to usher in this new covenant, That wasn't about rules and do's and don'ts, but about love and grace and faith. So Father, as we approach the communion table, we say thank you for your Son. We say thank you for the Holy Spirit. And we agree with the Lord Jesus that He is Savior of all, He is Lord of all. And by faith we agree. In Jesus' name, amen. So you can go ahead and and move and grab i guess maybe the back part of the room grab from that table the front part of the room up here and uh we'll we'll come grab the elements go back to your seat we'll take it together as a family we can sing this song together
1: Sky i okay.
0: received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he broke it, and when he had given to them, given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters in this room and everybody that watches online that they would be filled with fresh hope today because of the truths that you have told us about who we are. We are part of your family. Jesus, you brought us into your very relationship with your Father. Help us to live up to the family name and how we think, act, and speak and that we become more and more practically, God, who we are in our position in Christ. God, I pray for anyone who's sick this morning or experiencing physical ailments, Lord, you are the God that heals physically, spiritually, emotionally. God, I pray for those that are struggling in relationships, marriages that need a touch, families, friendships. Be our healer, which we know you are, and we declare that. Thank you for the baptism that happened this morning. May those three, Lord, walk in the newness of life and the hope that you've given us. And we together say yes and amen to all your promises and thank you that because of jesus we love you
1: we're grateful today jesus name amen